So guys, I'm in Matthew 21. I'm going to start in verse 1, and we're just going to read the first 11 uh, verses there together. If you have them, uh, I'll, I'll be explaining uh, along the way a little bit. And, uh, and, and so, uh, so here we go, uh, Matthew chapter 21. And, uh, and uh, here, here we go. By the way, as I explain, I'm going to interject. So some of the stuff that I say, you're not going to see in the text. Uh, I'm also interjecting accounts from parallel gospels like, like John's account. And, uh, and so, in fact, um, before we start reading, I'll just, I'll just tell you, uh, John reminds us that before all this goes down, uh, Jesus was just in Bethany, right? And so that's where, where his good friends lived, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And, and so uh, Lazarus, Jesus' dear friend, had died. And, and so Jesus goes into Bethany, and, and he waits. He waits. Lazarus has been dead for four days, and, and, and the sister's very upset. He says, hey, it's okay, because I am the resurrection and the life. And he goes to the tomb where Lazarus is. He says, roll away the stone. And then he says, Lazarus, come out. And, 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 and the dead man is brought back to life. And man, word of this just sweeps all over Jerusalem. Like, you can't contain this. The Bible says so many people are flocking to Jesus, not just because of Jesus and all the stuff he had done. They were flocking to Jesus because of Lazarus. And so with that in mind, Jesus is now going to enter Jerusalem to a community that is buzzing about what, what he has done, that he's taken a dead man that's been dead for four days and he's raised him to life. You know, they're talking about all the, the miracles, the, the feeding of the 5,000 with a sack lunch and, and all the healings they've heard about. And so the community is buzzing with, with this truth uh, about who Jesus is. And with that in mind, uh, we read these words, Matthew 21, starting in verse 1. It says, when they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus uh, then sent two of the disciples telling them, go into the village ahead of you. At once you're going to find a donkey tied Tied there with her foal. Untie them and, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he'll send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Now that, that's from Zechariah. That was written uh, uh, 500 plus, probably 550 years before this moment, which is really, really cool. It says the disciples went and they did just as Jesus directed them. And, and they brought the donkey and its foal, and then they, they laid their clothes on them, and, and he sat on them. A very large crowd began to spread their clothes on, on the road, and, and they, they were cutting branches. All right, kid, you follow me? So they're they cutting branches, and, and they're waving them, and, and, and they began uh, shouting, right? So they're, they're waving branches, they're spreading branches on the ground, and, and the crowds go out, and, and it says they followed him, and they shouted, ready, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the, in the name of the Lord. And then they would lay down their, their branches. Hosanna in the highest. It says, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, who is this? The crowds are saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And then it goes on to talk about other things that happened this week. Jesus cleaning out the temple telling the people that wanted the crowds and the kids to be quiet, that it, didn't they hear that out of the mouth of, of babes, right, the Lord would be praised. And so uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about this awesome story. And man, I, I love this story. I, I love this story. I love the excitement in these pages. And, and by the way, our, our Hosanna waving isn't over, kids. I want you to wave the whole sermon every time we, we go back. We're, we're, we're going to talk. About, but, it, but I want to tell you what it means. 
right? Because it seems like Palm Sunday, it's the one Sunday a year that we use the word Hosanna. We might sing some songs with Hosanna. Maybe we work those in through the year. But it's like, what is Hosanna? What what does that mean? And so I think it's important. This this day's a big deal. And as Jesus enters in what we call triumph, which is really in humility, and and so we need to talk through that. We We need to think through that. And so uh, let's, let's, let's look at this together. Three things that we need to know about this word Hosanna. And here's the first thing, guys. I want you to know that Hosanna is a prayer for salvation. Ho- Hosanna is, is a, a prayer for salvation. And so I, we'll start here. Did you know that the word Hosanna is not actually a Greek word? Right? It, it's not. In fact, um, it's what we call a transliteration from a Hebrew word. Uh, it's actually not a word, it's a phrase that only appears one time in the whole Old Testament. So it's a conjunction, it's two words. The first word is yasha, yasha, right? And, and then it's ana. And so we put those two things together and the crowd is actually screaming, Yasha Anna! Yasha Anna! Yasha Anna! And, and so what, what, what a transliteration is, it's kind of like a sounds-like word. And so in Greek, they're like, this is what it sounded like they're saying. Yasha Anna! Sounds like Hosanna. And so that's where we get our word, Hosanna. And, 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 and it comes from one place in the Old Testament. It's Psalm 118. So I'm going to ask you guys uh, to turn with me now to the book of Psalms, Psalm 118. And I want to read where this comes from. This is how we know, by the way, that uh, they're talking about Jesus. So we're going to start in Psalm 118 and verse 22. And, and this is what it says. It says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Right? This is a messianic psalm. It's talking about who Jesus is. That, that the one that the religious leaders are going to reject, he, he's going to be the cornerstone of all that God's going to do. And, 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 and so we, we read this. This came from the Lord. And it's wondrous in our sight. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And this is this, Lord, save us. Lord, please grant us success. He who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed. From the house of the Lord we bless you. And here is our phrase, Hosanna. The only place it appears. Ready? Verse 25. It means, Lord, save us. Lord, please grant us success. The word Yasha means save now. And the word Anna means to beg. So when we shout Hosanna, when, when we read this story, and, and, and Jesus rides in on, on a donkey fulfilling this prophecy. And, and the crowds, right? And, and you got to think, guys, they, they have been oppressed by the Romans. They, they have been forgotten by God. Uh, they, they're, they're struggling. They're afraid of the future. They are scared. And they just want to be saved. Boy, does that speak to us today, Amen. In the world that we live in, with all the chaos and, and this virus, and, and people are scared. And I think maybe for the first time in a long time, people realize they can't save themselves. They need a savior. And this crowd, man, they, they, they got it. And, and, and as Jesus comes in, and, and they're, they're thinking about Zechariah and what he wrote in Zechariah 9, 9 they, just, they, they began to, to, to wave their branches, and they began to shout, Yashana! Yashana! Save us! Save us, please! And so, man, we got to start there on Palm Sunday. The word Hosanna, it means, God, please save me. Right? 
It's a plea. It is a prayer for salvation. That's where we start. Second thing we learn about this word, guys, is it's not just a prayer for salvation, right? But it's a praise for salvation. We go back to the roots of that phrase. I'm still in Psalm 118. And I just kind of want you to track with me, right? Because it happens fast, right? So we we start in verse 22 because we know this is about Jesus. When we hit 25, I'm going to throw that up on the screen. Then I'm going to throw 26. I just want you to see the the, the rapid change in in thought and and how quickly this happens. So uh, verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This came from the Lord. It's wondrous in our sight. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it. Then, Then here's our plea, right? Verse 25. Lord, save us. Lord, please grant us success. God, save us. Hosanna. That's the word. Yashana. Hosanna. Hosanna. Save us. And, and so they, it, it starts there. And then immediately, here's the transition, the next verse. He who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed from the house of the Lord. We, we bless you. And what I want you to see this morning is that same transition that you see in Psalm 118. That, that transition from a, a plea, from a prayer for salvation to praise for salvation, that same thing happens during the triumphal entry. The crowds go from, from, from shouting this, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save us, to shouting, blessed is he who has come in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he. And, and, and instead of just waving our palm branches, right, we're waving them saying, God save us. And then something amazing happens. What was a prayer, a cry for help when we wave, becomes praise. And, and, and the people start to lay down the things they were waving. And they lay down their outer garments, and, and they take their, their palm branches, right? And they, they take the palm branches that they were waving, and now they lay down their palm branches, and they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the psalmist said, he who comes from the house of the Lord. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that when Jesus shows up, that's what he talks about. John 14, he says, in my father's house, he talks about, in fact, he's from the house of the Lord. And so as the crowd gets this, they, they see that this Jesus is doing things, as the scripture would say, that only God can do. People would come to Jesus and they say, we know that you do things that only, only God can do. And they begin to see this, right? They're like, man, he, he's had 5,000 and he raised somebody and, and they get that. And so, so this transition happens. They, they, they start with God save us and they end up with, oh, blessed is he who has come. Blessed is the one that has come to save us. And so it's this transition from a prayer to a praise. And I, I just stop there and say, what, what do you think a proper response is when you find a Savior? Right? That's what worship is, right? It's the only proper response. And so the people take the things that they were waving, they were crying for salvation, and then they take everything they possess and they begin to lay it down. That's what, that's what praise is. That's what worship is. That's a proper response to a Savior, is you give Him whatever you have. Here is what I have. Here's my life. Praise God for you. I will worship you. Thank you for salvation. So that's the second thing that it is, right? Hosanna is a, it's a prayer for salvation but it's also praise for salvation. And that brings us to the last point this morning, is that Hosanna must be personal. 
for salvation, right? It must be personal for salvation. So I told the staff that, uh, this week that I really wanted to talk about um, this because I, I love this story. I really, really do. I, I love this story. I love the passion in it. But it is possible to read this story and walk away not fully understanding that the Savior that has come, um, while he has paid the price for the masses, while, 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 the, while the crowds can scream and shout, that there's still something that has to happen on a, a personal level, right? And, and so I just kind of want to walk you through this. Here's the truth, guys. Uh, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus died for the sins of, of the world, right? And so uh, John, who, who I've been referencing kind of throughout the sermon, John writes this in his epistle in 1 John. He says, he himself, speaking of, of Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, okay? And, and listen, not only for our sins, but also for those of the whole world. And so what John is saying is like, Je- listen, Jesus came and he lived the perfect life that, that none of us could. Like, no one in humanity could live a perfect, righteous life. And God is righteous, he is holy. Uh, To be in his presence, you have to be righteous, you have to be holy. And we all fall short. All have fallen short of the glory of God, right? And and so Jesus came and did what we couldn't. And he lived the righteous life that we couldn't. And and then he dies in our place. And the Bible says God accepts that, his death, uh, not just his death, but his perfect life. God accepts that as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, but not just our sins, for the whole world. And somebody hears that and they go, okay, well, well, well then, can, is the whole crowd saved when they cry Hosanna? Right? Isn't that, isn't that what that means? And then you read something like John 3.16, which tells us that this thing that happened, that Jesus died for the whole world, says that that's the gift of God, right? For God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. See, God loves the whole world. And so Jesus died for the whole world. And you know what? That is true. That Jesus had to die for the sins of everyone who would ever live and everyone who has ever lived. That is true. But listen, that gift of God in Jesus, his son, the Bible always says, has to be received individually. And, and if you don't believe me, let's go back to the text itself. And so John chapter 3, we have 316 on the screen. I'm just going to turn there, and, and I want you to read with me in, in John chapter 3, starting in, in verse 1, uh, there's a Pharisee that comes to Jesus, and, and this is where the key of this truth is unlocked. And, and so it says, there, there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to him at night, and he said, Rabbi, we, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs that you do unless God were with him, right? That, that's what you say. You say, like, listen, this is the same attitude the crowd has. The crowd is shouting, Hosanna, right? Hosanna in the highest. They're waving palm branches. Then they're laying them down. They're saying, yes, this, this is the Messiah. This is the one that it was talked about in Psalm 118. And so, so they're worshiping Jesus so we think, but here's what I want you to see. Those crowds, by Friday, even his disciples are going to desert him. Many of the voices in those crowds, I believe wholeheartedly, some of those voices are going to be the same ones that will shout, crucify him, crucify him. And, and, and what, do, what do we do with that? We have to understand this, Ready? 
This, this transaction, this, this, this truth that Jesus came to die for everyone, we also have to balance that with the, but anyone who believes in him. So, so something has to happen personally. And so here's what Jesus says, starting in verse 3. He says, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He says, unless someone, he, he, he's listening, unless someone is born again, he's not, not that is something, we're kind of getting an inclination that something has to happen. And, and, and Nicodemus says, how can anyone be born when he is old? Hey, can, can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is of the flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is of the spirit. And then here's the key. Ready? Verse 7. I'll put it on the screen. Jesus says, Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. And guys, here's what I'm going to say to you. If you're, you're listening, you're watching this morning, somehow you've stumbled onto us, is in this time of really kind of fear, right? What might happen. This time where we finally realize we, we do need saving. What I'm going to say to you is, is God has provided a Savior and Jesus has died for all. But you, you personally have to receive that gift of God. Jesus is the gift of God. But if you, you, Jesus says to Nicodemus, not, not your ancestors, not your faith community, not your socioeconomic uh, 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 status of where you might land, right? He, he, it's not your, your people group. It's not your parents. It's not your church. He says, you, Nicodemus, have to be born again. You. So here's what I'm going to say to you this morning. This, this Palm Sunday, when we shout Hosanna, which means God save me, is we've got to move beyond the shouting of the crowd into the private, intimate conversation with Jesus when he says, you have to be born again. And I'm just going to ask you this morning, has that happened? Right? God gave his very best for you, his son Jesus. And Jesus has done you could never do what I could never do. He's died in our place. He's, he's conquered death. He's risen again. We'll talk about that next week. And anyone who believes in him can have eternal life, the Bible says, can be born again, can become a child of God, but it doesn't happen because you've attached your name to a church role. It doesn't happen just because uh, you, you, I hear this all the time. I've been a Christian my whole life. Right? My parents were believers. I always grew up uh, knowing that there was a God. Yes, but have you been born again? You personally have to receive the gift of God. It doesn't work. So what do we do with that? I'll give you a few things and, and then we'll be done. Ready? First, I, I think this text would call us uh, into this. Ready? Um, that we, we need to understand our need for a Savior. And again, I, I would just tell you in our world, kind of where we are, guys, I mean, I mean, just what's happening in our, I mean, we, we look at the global pandemic, but what's happening in the United States of America, over 8,500 people have lost their lives. And I think that that's becoming real to us here. Yeah, here in Texas, I think we're starting to realize, like, man, I feel like this thing might be coming. And, and it's scary. It's scary, I, I get it. But here's the truth. There is a Savior, right? 
And, and, and so we, we have to start here. We've we got to understand we need saving. And, and, and listen, I'm not telling you that if you believe in Jesus that you won't catch a virus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you believe in Jesus, that there's something more powerful than a virus. That's what we'll get to in a second. So we just need to start like, I, I, do you recognize you need saving? Has, has all of this situation kind of been locked in your house? And, and not being, have, are you kind of at this point that you finally realize like, man, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have, I can't fix this. Because that's the truth about your spiritual reality too. You can't fix this. So we start here. I need to understand that I need a savior. Second, then I, I have to turn to the savior God has provided. See, that, 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 that's the story. God, God's story in his Bible. Uh, since Genesis chapter 3, he's promised a solution to our sin. He said a Savior is coming. And all the prophets of old proclaim that the Savior is coming. And then this Savior comes, Zechariah 9, 9, riding on a donkey. He comes in humility. Philippians 2 says that he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he makes himself nothing. So here's the triumphal entry. It's not elephants and camels and, and all kinds. Like he comes in on, on, there's a word for a donkey, kids. Don't ask your parents about. He comes in like in the most lowly manner possible. We call that triumph, but it's only triumph in heaven's eyes. And so Jesus comes in this humility, and that is that's the solution. And, and in that moment, people got caught up in it, and they shout Hosanna, but later that week, they're going to shout crucify, because the stuff that Jesus says doesn't jive with what they wanted. Right? They had a different view of what saving would be like. And some of you are thinking, man, if I shout Hosanna today, maybe I won't get this virus. Right? If I shout Hosanna today, maybe our economy will, will get started again. And what I'm just going to say to you, that's not the kind of saving that God has come to provide necessarily. That he has come to save your soul. He wants your spirit to be born again so that your spirit, if your flesh does die, when your flesh does die, will live with him forever as his child. That's, that's, that's the Bible. Like, that's the gospel. And I, I'm just going to tell you this. Listen, that's where you've got to turn. And, and, and man, we look around. Listen, I, I'm not telling you not to take precautions. We're all taking precautions around here. We're down to a crew of five here in the church to make this happen on Sunday. We've got people uh, wearing masks as we speak. Like, like listen, it's not about uh, not, not taking precautions. But what we're saying is, listen, God has provided a solution to the greater problem. He is who you have to look to. Him. Not yourself, not your own ingenuity. Him. And so we've got to look at this Jesus who rides in on a donkey. And you may think, that's not grand enough for me. I don't care what you think, to be honest. That's the solution. And you may think, but, but I want a political savior. And I, I, want, I want the person I vote for in office to change my country. I'm saying, that's not God's savior for you. His savior rode in on a donkey. And then he went to a tree. And he allowed himself to be nailed. And he breathed his last breath. And they, they put a spear through his side, right? And then they buried him in a tomb. That's God's savior. Dies Friday. But on Sunday. God's Savior conquers death. That's the Savior. That's where we have to go. All right? Third thing. Third thing. You, Nicodemus, you have to believe. You have to believe. Hosanna! Yes, Anna! Yes, Anna! God save me! 
please has to be a personal cry where you personally believe in the gift that God has provided. Jesus died for the sins of the world, but it will be nothing to you if you don't personally receive that gift. You have to believe in Jesus personally. It's not enough for your parents to do it. It's not enough for your pastor to believe it for you. It's not enough for for the head of a a nation or a country or a movement. It's not enough for a people group to say, oh yeah, we're all Christian. That's not the case. You have to believe in Jesus. You have to pray to Jesus. Save me. And if you pray that prayer, he will answer. He will answer. Maybe it goes something like this. Dear Jesus, Maybe for the first time in my life, I realize more than anything else, I need a Savior. Please save me. Please rescue me. And I'm I'm not talking about so I won't catch a virus. I'm talking about so that my spirit would be born again. And that no matter what happens to my flesh, I will live for you forever. Please save me, right? Hosanna, Hosanna. That's what Palm Sunday should be about. And then finally... When we pray that prayer, our lives have to shift to a new place. See, Christians, our our life should be about one thing. It should be about worship, right? I mean, that is why we exist. We we exist to to worship God now. And and so what's the proper response to a Savior, right? Well, well, the proper response is, is whatever I'm waving, whatever is in my hands, suddenly is now laid before His feet. And friends, I'm just going to tell you that that's your proper response to Jesus. If you're asking him to save you, here's the proper response. Take whatever has been in your hands, your career, your family, your future, and we lay it at his feet and we say, you're God, you're in control. Have your way with me. I will worship you as the savior that God has provided. All right? guys follow me? Tracking with me? All right. Now listen, we have provided some discussion questions for you, and we want you to get to those in a second as a family. We've emailed those out, and we want you uh, You say, I'm by myself, man. And get, get on Zoom and, and call some ladies or, or, or guys in, in, your, uh, in your Sunday school class. Talk through those things. Email some people. Uh, chat it up in this, in this Facebook Live post. So you, you can continue to talk about this, this sermon here in a second. But before we get there, there's a few things that we need to cover before I pray this out. And here they are. They're really important, so hang with us. Uh, number one is if you're not part of Right Now Media yet, you're, you're checking and saying, man, I'm not part of it. Uh, man, you can comment on any of our live posts and we'll send you a link. Uh, all of you that are part of it, of our church that have already signed up, I want to say to you, there's a cool little button because you've got friends that are asking about the things that you're posting. And when you log into Right Now Media, there's a little button that says invite. And all you have to do is hit that button and type in their email. You can share this gift with anyone you know, no matter where they live, and it's cool. It's cool with them. We're not, we're not cheating the system. This is what they tell us to do. So we want to encourage you. Invite your friends to be a part of Right Now Media. Second thing, uh, this thing, right? That, that, that sucker right there, uh, that is called a QR code. And, uh, and this is one of the reasons you need to follow us on Facebook because we're posting these things. And these things are really cool uh, for our kids. They're telling the story of Easter. And so uh, there's little images that pop up when you scan this. You know what? You might be able to even scan the one right there that's on the screen. That might be a new QR code, possibly. I don't know. If you go back and you pause it right here and you take a picture, you might be surprised. That might be code number three if you're hunting 
hunting for our digital Easter eggs. Just saying. So look for those. Uh, that's really cool. We've got eight of those going out this week. Uh, here is uh, the other thing. Again, join us on Facebook. Guys, because of, of where we are, we're doing everything virtually, and we're really asking, if you don't have a social media account, I'm not saying get caught up in all the stuff, all right? Uh, read your news in other places. But uh, there are some things that you could do. You, you could like our page. You can subscribe to our page. You can join our men's group, our women's group. You can be become a part of our, our kids' men group. I think we've got a student's group. So we, we, we want you to join those things. We're communicating uh, via email, via text. Uh, we're, we're using Facebook. Uh, we're using the gram. Everything you can imagine, we're doing our best. But these are some of the places that we're interacting. And so we really need you to like and subscribe to those things. And so we greatly appreciate that. And again, uh, these are the places we're doing these giveaways and, and we've got digital Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, let's see. Last one, uh, guys, we remember we're not meeting in person. In fact, uh, the, the church uh, physically is, is closed. No one's here during the week. All of your staff are working from the house, uh, except on, on, on Wednesdays we're, we're coming up to help unload trucks. Uh, food pantry is now operating on Thursdays only. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get that out just so people know. Um, but, guys, we want you to stay home and stay safe. I, I, I can't say it enough. Um, stop acting like everything's normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. And so we're going to actually stay home and stay safe to the very best of your abilities. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you and your family. I want to pray that this, this Palm Sunday is meaningful for you and, and that you can be one of those people that is shouting, Hosanna, that's, that's praising God, laying down what you have, saying, God, you're my Savior. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this day. Be glorified on this Palm Sunday as we cry out, Hosanna. Save us. We praise you for saving us. We give you our lives. Be glorified, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church.